Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, verse number 29 through 34. We'll actually look at different portions of this passage, but we'll direct our attention to here. And today, I want to preach on uh, the, the topic, the silence is broken. I almost named this sermon, The Silence of the Lamb, but then I thought a little bit better of it. That's not a good uh, connotation. Uh, so, um, so I thought it would be best to just name it, The Silence is Broken. And I hope that the Lord bless you today and you know that because Christ died silently as the Lamb of God, he, we now can give voice to the riches and glory of the kingdom. Hear now the words of God. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Would, let me pause for a moment. Would you want to be there and see that scene? As our Lord and Savior comes walking and John just points to him and says, That is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen. Um, that indeed is the Lamb of God. Now let's continue. Verse number 30. This is he of whom I said, after he comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Beloved, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers. And the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the blessed word that will be preached unto you. Amen and amen. Let's, let's thank the Lord for his word. Father, I thank you so much for this word. It is food for our souls. Help us as your people not to starve ourselves, not to go on a spiritual hunger strike, but help us to eat until we are full. And then... Let us bring this meat, this lamb to the world that they might feast off him as well. Let us be mindful of the fact that there are so many out there starving for the precious word of God. And they need that light. They need that lamb. Lord, I know that it's difficult to share our faith. I know it's difficult in a world that is seemingly so hostile towards you. But, Father, you have told us that you will be with us and that we have power. And in that power, we proclaim the message of Christ with fullness, with meekness, and with reverence. And so, Lord, I pray that these words impact our hearts and that we might be emboldened and encouraged to share it with others. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. And amen. You know, one of the imageries uh, that I've always found fascinating with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is when he's always referred to as some kind of animal. And, and in the Bible, there's predominantly just two, the lion and the lamb. 
And, you know, as a little kid, that always confused me. How, how can Jesus be both the lion and the lamb, right? I mean, don't lions eat lambs? And, and even before, even beyond that, you know, the whole relationship between predator and prey is, is that the predator eats the prey and, and they don't coexist together. But one of the blessed truths of Scripture is that any time you see the lion and the lamb together, it's a, of, it's a picture of peace and refuge, that the lion will lie down with the lamb and that they would coexist together in glorious harmony. And that's what we see with respect to Jesus, that both the lion and the lamb are pictured in Christ because he is our refuge. Within him we find that peace and comfort and hope. But let's be honest. In our society today, we're comfortable with the idea of Jesus being the, lamb, the lion. Why? Because we like strong leadership. Nobody likes a lamb as a leader. We like bold, strong leadership that comes with the imagery of the lion. But what about the lamb? Well, let me say this. For us to have a savior, he has to be both the lion and the lamb. He has to be both the strong, mighty one and then the one that lays down his life silently and then we're covered by that blood. And so today what I want to focus on is I, I don't necessarily want to focus on the lion portion of it. We, we have that down pat. What I want to focus on today is Christ as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and how that changes everything that impacts our life, that actually emboldens us to go out and proclaim the name of Christ wherever we go. And I want to do that as we look at the silence is broken. I want to look at three things. I want to look at the deafening silence, the daring declaration, and then the defining moment. The deafening silence, the daring declaration, and the defining moment. First of all, the deafening silence. What do, what do I mean by that? Well, look in, in this passage. The Bible says in verse number 29 that Jesus proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, Here's an interesting phenomenon in the Bible. If you read through the Bible, every now and then you see that there is a long period of silence before God's people finally hear a big word from the Lord, an impactful word for the Lord. We see this when it comes to the Exodus, right? Uh, right before the Exodus, the, God's people were crying out in bondage for hundreds of years. Then all of a sudden, Moses comes on the scene and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And so this silence was broken after that period of time. But the same thing is true in this passage before us. That there was a period of about 400 years the scholars call the intertestamental period where God's people received no new uh, revelation. In fact, it's specifically called the period of silence. The period of silence where God did not hear a word from his people. Now, as we look at this period of time, we notice and we realize that this was providential on behind, uh, on that, uh, as it relates to God. This was all providential. He had planned it that way, that there was this period of silence. And you might say, well, Pastor Dennis, why is it that God providentially allowed this period of silence? Well, think about it. Think about what deprivation does to the soul. Think about when you're hungry, how you crave food. Or when you're thirsty, you crave drink. 
or when you're tired and sleepy, how you crave rest. There are times when God providentially allows us to be deprived of the sense of his presence so that he can bring us into a state where we're hungering and thirsting after him. And we see this over and over in the Psalms, and we wonder, God, why are you so distant from the psalmist? Even in our own lives, we might say, God, why are you so distant from me? It's because he wants to uh, put in you this sense of deprivation so that you could hunger and thirst after him. So on one level, that's what's happening in this passage. God's people were hungering and thirsting after him. They wanted to know, is God going to speak to us again? He spoke of this redeemer. Then all of a sudden, John breaks, John the Baptist breaks that silence. And he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But there's another silence in here. And it's the kind of silence that's forced silence. Because we don't take the time to listen and understand what God is doing in our lives. And we see this in verse number 21, 24. So if you go back up before verse 24, to verse 24, you'll notice that uh, a delegation from the Pharisees comes to John. And they're asking him, by what authority are you, John, baptizing the people? Now you can see this. This is, you know, this is turf war of the Bible, right? The Pharisees come because they're wondering, hey... Who gave you the right to baptize people at this river? Who gave you uh, the right to proclaim the name of the Lord? Where are your papers, John the Baptist? And John the Baptist says, listen, you're worried about the wrong thing. You're worried about me baptizing with water? No, 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 no. Guys, you need to understand something. There is one that is still yet to come. I can't even tie his shoelaces. Inside the Bible it says, I can't latch uh, his sandals, but, but I'm not worthy to tie his shoelaces. In fact, he's not even going to use water to baptize us. He's going to use the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the one you should be paying attention to. That's the one you should be looking at. You know, when I was a kid, um, the elderly people in our, in our area always used to look at us youngsters and say, you guys are missing the forest from the trees. And I'm like, what, what are they even talking about? We have no forest uh, where I live. Like, that, that makes no sense to me. It wasn't until I was a little bit older I realized what they were saying. That sometimes we get so caught up in the minor details that we miss the big picture. And that's what this delegation from the Pharisees were, was doing. They were missing the big picture. They were missing the forest for the trees. They were looking at John and they were so wrapped up in their corner of the world to exercise their power and authority that they were asking, John, by what authority are you doing this? And John says, don't worry about my authority. Please fix your eyes on Christ, the one who is to come, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world because he has the power to baptize you in a way I cannot and this was a powerful reminder for them. And by the way, it's a powerful reminder for us. I'll never forget one day, um, I was feeling particularly low in the ministry, and I, I went to my local Indian food. Nothing cheers me up like Indian food, by the way. So I, I went, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll have me some Indian food. And so I go in, and, and the young lady that was behind the counter, she immediately noticed my countenance, and, and I was feeling pretty sad. And so she said, well, hey, uh, what's going on? Why, why are you feeling so sad, Pastor? I said, oh, you know, I, 
I'm having a rough time of it. Uh, you know, the a podcast that I'm trying to launch, I can't get the software right. And, you know, this Bible study that I have, it's not that well attended, and I'm thinking about just dropping it. And so I list a whole bunch of things, you know, something that I ordered on Amazon didn't really come in. And so she let me talk for about two, three minutes, and then she finally looks up and she says, huh, sounds like first world problems to me. And, you know, I looked at her and I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Like, here I am bearing your soul, and I get the first world problems thing. But she was absolutely right. I was missing the forest for the trees. I was focusing on all the things in my life that was going wrong instead of focusing on Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And beloved, if, we, if we're not careful, this can have dire consequences on our walk with the Lord. I, I think of Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was so focused on this new burgeoning movement and them proclaiming a Messiah. He didn't know that he went so far as to kill them and persecute them. And the Bible says that he, he got to a point where he was getting letters to go to a place outside of his jurisdiction uh, and wanting to, to round up more Christians and kill them. Why? Because he was missing the forest from the trees. Or I think of Jonah. Jonah missed this completely. You know, Jonah is one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. Jonah is the most successful preacher in the Bible who preached the shortest sermon ever. Some of you are like, Pastor, why, why can't you pull that off? I don't know. I'm not Jonah, right? But Jonah's simple message to the Ninevites was that in 40 days, repent, because in 40 days, you will be destroyed. And God used him to save an entire group of people, entire city. And what does Jonah do? Jonah sits down and complains that God is too gracious. That's the very definition of missing the forest from the trees. Beloved, don't do that. Listen, the devil is a master of getting us distracted, isn't he? He'll use the good, he'll use the bad, and he'll use the ugly. But the word of God reminds us today that we need to stay focused because when you and I, when you and I get distracted, when we miss the forest from the trees, we don't hear what God is doing. We miss the providential hand of God in our lives. And we can't allow that to happen. Next, I want to show you real quick the daring declaration. Now, after this period of deafening silence in verse 29 and 30, we hear John saying this, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said... After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. In one fell swoop, John comes in and he makes a daring declaration. And to us, this is normal, right? Of course we know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Of course we understand that this was the time in which the new covenant was inaugurated. This new phase in redemptive history where God now is, is bringing more and more people to him through the sacrifice of, this, of his son. We understand that Christ now is the Lamb of God, that precious Lamb that saves his people. We understand that in the book of Revelation that this, this Lamb is presented as one who is mighty and strong, who will bring universal judgment and victory to his people. But John's audience did not understand that. In fact, when John, probably saw, behold, when John probably said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, they were probably wondering, wait, what? 
You know, they, they had a pretty defined lamb theology, okay? The, the two areas in their theology that linked up where they think, oh, lamb, where, where, where do I remember hearing that? The first one, obviously, is, is Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, God had, God had told him this to, to, to test him. And then he goes up to the mountain, and Isaac is looking around. He's saying, Father, I see, I see wood. I see all the stuff to make um, uh, a sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham, in just a wonderful time of prefigurement of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, says, our Lord will prepare a lamb for the slaughter. And so every Jewish person knew that. They understood that. And so when they thought of lamb, that's what they were thinking. Another uh, point in their theology is the exodus. When God says, take a blemished, unblemished lamb, slaughter it, and put it on a doorpost. And when the death angel pass, uh, pass by your place, when it sees the blood, it will pass over you. That was their understanding of the lamb. But when they thought about a leader that would protect them, a leader that would bring them out of this bondage of Roman, of Roman enslavement, they did not think about the lamb of God. No. They thought about a charismatic military leader, one that would be inspiring, one that would be a great judge. That's what they thought of. It was so far removed from Christ. And let me tell you this. There are times in my life when I've come to a place where, uh, you know, I'm thinking about someone or something, and it's completely different from what that person actually is. I remember one, one example of this in my life, and it's almost a little embarrassing. When I was a kid um, listening to music, I got into music, there was this one song on the radio I absolutely loved, but I didn't know who the artist was. And I said, man, this guy is fantastic. He's great. Can't wait um, you know, to, to find out who he is so I could like, buy his album. And then one day, uh, the song came on, and I called my brother over, and I said, hey, uh, who's this artist? Who's this, who's this guy that's singing this song? So he listens to it, and he says, Dennis, that's, that's actually not a guy. That's a, that, that's a lady. That's Tracy Chapman. That song is Fast Car. I just remember thinking, what? I mean, I had constructed this whole reality about who Tracy Chapman was in my mind. That, oh, he's just this awesome guy and this awesome songwriter. And, and, and here it is now I'm learning that, no, it's actually a woman. And, and here's the name of her songs. And she has a, a bunch of other really good songs. And, and as I think about that now, that's, that's probably how the Jews felt. As they, they had it in their mind that, that their savior was going to be this great military leader. They had it in their mind that their savior was going to be this particular thing. And all of a sudden, he's something different. He's the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. And you know, our world is similar to that. It always amazes me when they do these um, videos and blogs where people talk about who Jesus is, what people say in their minds about who Jesus is. You know, some people say that Jesus was this edgy social justice pioneer. And then some people say, well, Jesus is this great political figure. And other people say that Jesus is this hippie with the long hair uh, that goes about talking about free love without justice. But all of those are wrong. The Bible tells us who our Jesus is. 
He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the entire world. And by the way, that's a message that this world, whether they realize it or not, desperately craves. Several years ago when um, the superhero movies were getting uh, huge, I mean, they're huge now, but they were really getting huge, they interviewed Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck was talking about the whole superhero genre. And listen to what Ben Affleck says. He says, we certainly are in need of heroes in 2017. That's what Affleck said. And, and here's what he goes on to say. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, from natural to man-made disasters, and it's really scary. Part of the appeal of this genre, this superhero genre, is wish fulfillment. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody who can save us from all of this? Save us from ourselves. Save us from the consequences of our actions. And save us from people who are evil. Wow. Well, here's what I have to say to Mr. Affleck. He's come. He's come. Our hero is a lamb. Dun, 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 dun. And you know what his superpower is? It's the greatest superpower that we've ever seen. He has the power to take away the sins of the world. That's the power that our Lord has. And that's what John says he was offering to the people. The power of the Lamb. Beloved, we don't have to look for another figure to save us. We don't have to wonder how he's going to look. He's already come. And he came like a lamb. And he promised to take away the sins of the world. And if we but trust in him and believe that to be true, he's done it. He's done it. And we can rest today as sure as yesterday that it is true. And the last thing I want to share for you today is the defining moment. The defining moment. Now, what do I mean by the defining moment. Well, by the defining moment, I mean that whenever Christ is proclaimed, a decision needs to be made. You know, it's interesting. John proclaims, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That, that is a statement that causes a decision. Either we're going to rest in that or we're going to reject it. And, and if you notice this passage, there are three groups of people that heard the same message, and notice how each one of them had a different reaction, and how all three of them represents three different kinds of people. The first one that's represented here is the Pharisees, and they're in verse 24 through 28. They're the ones that come to John the Baptist, and they say, hey, by what authority are you doing this? And they were skeptical. And the very next day, John says that when Jesus came, he pointed to him and said, hey, you religious leaders, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And oh, by the way, that's the one I keep telling you is to come that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That's the one. Notice in verse number 30, he says, after, um, This is he of whom I said, After he comes a man who ranks before me, because he was, for me, he was before me. And then down, if you drop down to verse number 33, he says, this is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. He preached the gospel to those Pharisees. 
those religious leaders, and he was telling them, this is the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. And we know from the testimony of Scripture that they rejected that. And, you know, here, here are these men that were in charge of the spiritual oversight of Israel. And they, they understood the scriptures to some measure. And they knew that God was going to send his redeemer at some point. And here it is. It is being pointed out to them. And they still reject it. And there are the Pharisees and the scribes. They're a picture of those uh, in the church that hear the message of Christ. That hear and see all that Christ is doing within our midst. And still reject them. And and. You know, oftentimes if you read the blogs or if you read any sort of statistic, this is true of our covenant children, is it not? How many times I've uh, went on a blog or how many times I've looked on the internet of our covenant children walking away from the faith? They spend 18 plus years in our home. We bring them to church. We let them sing the songs. And then we point them to Christ, and ultimately, they reject it. Covenant children, if you're listening, hear me today. Don't be like the Pharisees. You are getting the pure milk of the word. You're being exposed to the Lamb of God that takes it away, the sin of the world. You're being taught it by people that love you, that have lived this, and have poured into your lives. Do not reject this message. This message is true, and yes, and amen, and I plead with you. I plead as one who have children, who feel the tension that one day my own children might walk away from the faith. As I look at the scribes and Pharisees, I'm reminded that I have children in my own home that are being exposed to the word of God, and one day, if statistics are true, they might walk away from the faith. I implore you not to do that. Do not do that. Remember from whom you've heard these words from, your mother and your Sunday school teacher and all these wonderful folks in our church that have taught you the word of God. Hold fast to that and don't walk away from that. Here's the second group, John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist says that for this purpose, I came. Notice with me in verse number 31. He says, I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water. What is John the Baptist saying here? He's saying that, listen, when I heard the message that the Lamb would come, I realized that it was my mission to be his forerunner. It was my mission to tell others about him. And not only that, he said that the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Notice with me in verse number 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John said it was confirmed. And John represents the faithful in the church. Beloved, we have heard God's word. And we know that the Lamb of God remains. And he is true. And not only that, we've seen so much to confirm that. But I will also say this. I caution you. Because like the faithful, like John the Baptist, oftentimes you and I waver. Remember that scene in the Bible where John the Baptist comes, uh, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends his disciples and says, are you, are you the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world or not? I mean, here I am in prison, 
I believed you, I dedicated my life to you, and all of this is happening to me. You ever feel like that sometimes? God, here I am trying to be faithful. Here I am trying to do the right thing. Here I am trying to live a righteous life, and I'm in prison. I'm in prison in my own home. I feel like I'm in prison on my job. I feel like I'm in prison in my own neighborhood. Nothing's going right for me. And what did Jesus say? <laughs> Jesus says, listen, you go and tell John. You go back and tell John that I am who I said I am. You've been with me now for a few hours. You've seen the sick healed. You've seen the blind receive their sight. You've seen the deaf hear. You've seen the dead raised. You've seen the gospel proclaimed to all. And while John was in that prison, having a pity party and down on himself, he just needed a little bit of encouragement and reminder that Lord, our God is still on the throne. And even though we might not see him doing the work, he is doing the work. So take heart. He might not necessarily be doing it towards you in that moment, but dang it, he is doing it. And we take heart in that. I can't tell you how many times I feel downtrodden and pressed down and thinking, God, what are you doing? Because you're not doing it to me. But just that thought of thinking about how God is blessing others and seeing others blessed gives me joy and hope. And that's what John is saying, that when we look at what God is doing in the world through being the Lamb of God, we can take hope and comfort and joy in that. But notice with me, there's another group. And they represent all the people who've heard and received the word of God with gladness. And that group is in verse number 35. It says, again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he said, look, look, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Verse number 36. And notice what happens in verse number 37. It says, the two disciples heard, um, heard him say this and they followed after Jesus. This, is he, this, uh, this group of disciples represent those who hear the word of God and receive it with gladness and joy. They hear the message of the cross and they flee to the Lamb because they know and they understand that the Lamb of God is there to take away their sins and to establish them in righteousness. These are the faithful that are called to be with Christ. Now, there are some of you that are listening to this sermon and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I, I, I certainly understand that. But what about those who never hear the gospel? What about those people in the Amazon who never hear the message of Christ? Are they going to die and go to hell? What about those of different cultures and backgrounds who didn't have the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home in the West are they, is God going to let them die and go to hell? Are they going to hear this message of beholding the Lamb of God? Now, that's, an, that's a question that I think every age has the answer. Has the answer, and it's a difficult question. Because the question assumes that God is somehow unjust. And I think Tim Keller, in his book, The Reason for God in the Age of Skepticism, makes an excellent point. That we in the secular West, we ask these questions, but these are questions that people in other areas of the world are concerned about. And I know this to be true because I grew up in the West Indies. You know, we, we didn't sit around wondering or not if God is just. If somebody else were to die without hearing God, if they would go to hell. 
We understood who God was, and we understood that God is holy and righteous and just, and it was in his purview to do whatever he wants. But still, I feel the burden of that question. And here's my answer to that. Please tell me, what else would you have God to do to save sinners that he hasn't already done? Name it. Has he not provided his word that tells us who he is and reveals his will? Has he not provided creation that shows us his Godhead and power? Has he not set aside preachers and missionaries to go all over the world and proclaim his word? What else would you have God to do to save sinners that he hasn't already, do, hasn't already done? Let me ask you this question. If you were God, how would you proclaim your name to all the world so unmistakably they would know that you exist and you are real? What would you do? Some of you are probably thinking, I don't know, Pastor. I'd do something spectacular. Oh, yeah. I would do something spectacular, too. Perhaps I would, I don't know, send my son clothed in flesh, and I would, I would let him walk the earth proclaiming my name, and then I would, I would uh, let, allow him to live a sinless life, and then I would put him on a cross to die for your sins, and then I would bury him for three days, and I would raise him again on the third day, so unmistakably you would know that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I would do something big and massive like that. I can't believe sometimes I watch the internet and I hear people say, God is silent. I can't hear him. I, I, if, if your God is real, why can't I see him? How much more do you want God to do? He's given us his word. He's given us uh, his creation. He's given us his people to preach his word. And on top of that, he sent his son to die on the cross so that you and I might have everlasting life, the Lamb of God. That's the biggest microphone God can use to say, I am real, I am here, I am alive. And there is no one in the world that can think of a better way to communicate his presence and his truth than the resurrection of Christ, than providing the Lamb of God. So take heart, Christian. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you are wondering, is God really there? Yes, he is. He is, and he has shown it in a multiplicity of ways. What else do we want our Lord to do to communicate that he's true and right? The Lamb has come, beloved. He died in silence, and now you and I can give voice and praise. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that the Lamb of God came. I'm so thankful that the power of God was manifested in Christ. Lord, there's nothing else you could have done. You've done it all. You are just. You have given us your word. You've given us your creation. You've given us men and women to proclaim your name throughout all the world. And lastly, you've given us your son as the Lamb of God. You have done all that is necessary to proclaim your name. Help us to rest in that. There's no one on this planet that could think of a better way to express your presence than that, than that you have already done.
So help us as your people to rest in that and to know that the silence has been broken. We have a lamb, and we could proclaim it. Amen.